Well, legionnaires and uh, friends, it is a, an honor to uh, speak to you as, we, as you gather for your 89th annual conference. Uh, the Royal British Legion Scotland has been the, the voice of veterans since it was founded in 1921 uh, as a result of the overwhelming need to support ex-service personnel following the, the Great War. Uh, I've been a, an MP in Aberdeenshire for 25 years, uh, so obviously I know the Legion's the very heart and fabric, particularly of rural Scotland, but of all of Scotland. In the last few days, I've met uh, Legion members from Turra when I was making an announcement on Monday, but perhaps uh, more surprisingly and more interestingly, at New Deer on Sunday, uh, where I bumped into the Riders branch, uh, who are at New Deer presenting a cheque for £1,010 to the British Legion's Travel Aid Fund, which, as you know, helps support families, uh, including injured service personnel. Now, you may wonder why I mention that. Uh, I mentioned that because I was challenged to mention it on Sunday, and they promised me a shotty in their big Harley-Davidson if I managed to get it in to this address. But the point is this, that everywhere you go as a constituency, member of parliament, member of the Scottish Parliament in Aberdeenshire, then you'll meet people from the Legion, even when you're not expecting to meet them, as I wasn't at New Deer on Sunday. And my experience in that is no different from an MP, and my experience as a person, as an individual, is no different from the experience of Scots of my generation. I'm a member of the, the Legion in Fivey. My father was in Erskine Home. My late mother was in the Wrens. My two grandfathers served. My late great-uncle, Harry, is in the War Memorial in St. Indian's Craig Malan Church in Linlithgow. And that experience is no different from the experience of millions of families across Scotland. But the crucial point is, as First Minister of Scotland, right now as we look towards the way to commemorate the anniversary, the centenary of the Great War, then I'm a part of that experience and I'm absolutely determined that this nation will conduct these commemorations in a proper manner over the next six years, and the Legion will be at the very heart of these commemorations. Uh, today, the, the work of the, the Legion is every bit as significant as it was in 1921, having helped ex-service personnel in the aftermath, of course, of the Second World War, but also essential support after service in East Africa, Suez, Northern Ireland, the Falkland Islands, the Balkans, Iraq, and now, of course, Afghanistan uh, and Libya. Uh, and the reputation as a, a powerful advocate for 400,000 veterans currently across Scotland on pension and welfare issues is well deserved and greatly admired. So is the work to maintain the esprit de corps through the many sporting activities you promote to keep veterans active and connective, and of course you are the lead organisation in so many commemorative and remembrance events which are held across Scotland each and every year. And we value the work that you do because we recognize that for some problems, veterans have specific and unique needs. And that's why we've recently introduced a number of particular measures to match up to that obligation. Uh, there is a, a minister in the Scottish Government who has a specific responsibility uh, for veterans. We've created, of course, the Scottish Veterans Fund with resources of £400,000, which has provided grants for 60 projects across Scotland. 
established armed forces and veterans champions in the National Health Service and local authorities to be a point of contact for dispute resolution and signposting through the, the public service maze. And we're proud to do, proud to do what we can uh, to support the Legion's activities through the Scottish Veterans Fund. For example, providing a grant for the Royal British Legion Scotland and Armed Forces Day when Edinburgh hosted that great event in 2011. And also the pilot, of course, to run the school's competition on war memorials. And we're delighted to help because we know and acknowledge the vital role and determination to maintain the memory of those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. But today, I want to talk to you specifically about the Great War, the war that led to the establishment of the Royal British Legion Scotland. And I want to talk in particular about how Scotland is going to and should commemorate that conflict and honour those who died. This will be over the next six years, not in any sense a celebration. It's not going to be like the Jubilee. It's going to be a commemoration, and it's going to be respectfully and properly conducted. Just uh, under a mile from here is St. John's Kirk, and the war memorial in that kirk includes a, a golden book which lists more than 3,000 people from Perth and Persia who lost their lives in the Great War. On the day that that memorial opened in 1928, the, the moderator of the Church of Scotland expressed his belief, as he put it, that for generations to come, thousands will look upon that beautiful memorial and reflect on what the dead have meant for them. Well, the moderator's belief was correct. People still look at the memorial in St. John's. They still visit Balhousie Castle, a mile or so north of here, where the Black Watch Memorial honours the 8,000 people from that regiment who died in the Great War. In total, there are 5,000 war memorials in virtually every village and community the length and breadth of Scotland. From the magnificent to the modest, these memorials are the most visible expression of how we value the sacrifice of the men and women who paid that ultimate price. And that's why when the, the Scottish Government have been considering how to mark the centenary of the Great War, our first act was to establish a, a fund to enable war memorials to be restored. Uh, many war memorials are in fine condition, not least, of course, because of the work of this organisation. But some require restoration and improvement and enhancement. And I was delighted to be joined by members of the Legion from Fivey when I, I launched that fund. That fund has already attracted 100 inquiries since its launch in January. The Fivey Legion also took the opportunity to remind me my subscription was due on the day that I launched the fund. Well, it is a Burdinshire after all, ladies and gentlemen. The point I'm making about many, many of the war memorials are beautifully maintained, but there are some in need of improvement. And by getting them up to standard, we can assure that every community, every community will have a focus for commemorations of the Great War centenary. And of course, that they remind us of the sacrifice of those who fell. I see from your agenda at this conference uh, that a priority for the Royal British Legion is to encourage younger people to get involved in the work of the Legion. Many of the, the soldiers who went to war in 1914 were not much older than school age, and I believe it's right and proper that we take the opportunity presented by the centenary to help young people develop a, a clearer understanding 
of the causes, consequences, and the horrors uh, of warfare. On Monday, in Tara, I announced a, a million pound fund which will be available to every secondary school in Scotland. The fund, we believe, will enable and assist some 20,000 students to visit the Western Front battlefields over the next six years. It will help the youngsters understand and explain to their friends, therefore, the significance of the conflict for Scotland and, of course, for the wider world. And that fund will complement the competition the Legion is launching, which is designed to encourage primary and secondary children to undertake projects to raise the profile of war memorials. Now, in March of this year, the, the Scottish Government established a Scottish commemorations panel to advise on how we mark the centenary of the war in Scotland. The panel is chaired by the Reverend Norman Drummond and includes Lieutenant General Sir Alistair Irvine, the President of the Royal British Legion Scotland. And I'm delighted that the Reverend Drummond is with us today, and in a few seconds I'm going to introduce him to give you a clear understanding of what the panel's initial proposals are. But in broad terms, therefore, the purpose of national commemoration to augment the thousands of local events which will be held across Scotland. They've recommended as a focus for commemoration eight key dates for commemoration. These dates are the, the start of the war in August 1914, the commencement of the Gallipoli operations on the 25th of April 1915, the rail disaster at Quinton's Hill near Gretna on the 22nd of May 1915, the Battle of Luce on the 25th of September where half of the total number of casualties in the Allied side were Scottish. Half of the casualties were Scottish. The Battle of Jutland on the 31st of May 1916, the only major naval engagement of the Great War. The Battle of Arras on the 9th of April 1917, where one-third of the British Expeditionary Forces' casualties were Scottish. The Armistice Day of 11th November 1918 the only part of the commemorations which will have the proper display of celebration at the end of the conflict. Uh, and finally, we'll also mark the loss of HMS Isolaire on New Year's Day 1919, when more than 200 servicemen travelling back to the Western Islands died when the ship sank off Stornoway. Now, Reverend Drummond is going to say something more in a few minutes about the the reason and the significance of these particular dates which have been recommended by the panel. And they'll give some details on how we are going to mark these dates uh, in advance of the, the full details, which of course will be laid out as we go forward. But today I want to talk just a little about the, one of the events, one of the perhaps surprising events that the commemoration panel has listed. The Quinton Hill rail disaster of the 22nd of May 1915 is still the worst train accident ever to have taken place in these islands. More than 200 people from the 7th Battalion Scots were killed. They were travelling to Liverpool on their way to Gallipoli. Most of the 7th Battalion had been raised in Leith and so on the 23rd of May, exactly 98 years ago this very day. The bodies of 106 of them were taken to the Old Leith Central Station and then on to the battalion's headquarters in Dalmeny Street. This is the report from the, the Scotsman newspaper. In 9.35, the first van of the procession left the station. 
When it turned into leaf walk, heads were uncovered, and in touching silence it proceeded on its journey. One thought tenderly of the bereaved ones who watched the progress of the vehicle without knowledge of whether it contained the remains of their kith and kin. For exactly an hour, the vans and ambulances went to and fro on their sorrowful journey, 34 vehicles being required to complete the task. Of the 106 bodies that were brought back to Leaf on the 23rd of May, 47 were unidentified. The Scotsman went on to say, on the coffins of those who had not been identified, it was touching to see flowers placed by the relatives of those whose sons have not been heard of since the disaster. It was somebody's boy that was inside that black shell, if it was not their own. Now, these scenes of grief 98 years ago today were replicated many thousands of times over during the course of the Great War. The estimate of Scottish casualties is 100,000 people, many millions in countries from around the world. Many, many more were injured. On every single occasion, that casualties were someone's boy or sometimes in the Great War, somebody's girl. And on every occasion, a community of friends, family, neighbours was diminished as a result. Ladies and gentlemen, your conference tomorrow will start with the words of the famous poem, The Fallen. They shall not grow, not old as we are left to grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. In the years from 2014 to 2019, Scotland will remember them. The Royal British Legion, I know, will have a hugely significant role in these commemorations, as indeed you have done every year since 1921. I wish you the best for your conference. I look forward to working with you in the coming years as we ensure, as we require, as we underline the necessity for Scotland to play a fitting role in that commemoration. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you now to introduce you to Norman Drummond. Uh, I've described as a distinguished reverend of the, of the church, of course, a former governor, board of governors, chair of the, of the BBC, a head teacher of Loretta School, but perhaps more significantly, a padre in the Black Watch. Uh, well known as the most devout regiment in the entire division. <laughs> uh, also a padre in the paratroopers, not quite as well known as a devout regiment. <laughs> they say that Norman moved from the Paris to the Black Watch to find religion. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, I can't think of a better person to chair the panel on commemoration, and I'm delighted to introduce you and ask you to welcome the Reverend Norman Drummond. Thank you, First Minister, and thank you, Chairman, for your very warm and gracious welcome. It is indeed an honour to be present with you at the Royal British Legion Scotland Conference, an organisation with which my family has had close associations since its inception. And no more appropriate place to outline for you the key commemorative dates that the Scottish Commemorations Panel has recommended in relation to the centenary of the First World War. Now, your panel, the Scottish panel, is representative of a wide range of the geography of Scotland. 
Its members offer significant national and international recognition and experience in various fields, from the services to education to media to the creative arts. The panel has been established to help set the tone of the educational and genealogical legacy of the remembrance of the war that was meant to end all wars. The Veterans and Service community, as the First Minister has outlined, is strongly and well represented on the panel by General Sir Alistair Irwin, well known to you all, by Commodore Charles Stevenson, formerly of the Royal Navy, and Group Captain Bob Kemp of the RAF Benevolent Fund Scotland. And serving alongside them, ladies and gentlemen, in their ex officio capacities are the current Tri-Service heads here in Scotland, Admiral Chris Hockley, General Nick Eales, and Air Commodore Jerry Mayhew. The Scottish Commemorations Panel has no powers nor finances, other than to be an overarching advisory body of significant and recognized experience towards ensuring that Scotland's commemorative dates provide a fitting remembrance of the sacrifice of those who for our tomorrow gave there today. The panel is well aware and hugely admiring of your significant work, already underway across the Legion here in Scotland and in various local communities and authorities, with several of whom I have already spoken and visited on behalf of the panel, and which visits I look forward to continuing in the weeks and months which lie ahead. Now the key dates. The key dates mark significant Scottish military involvement, and they also remember tragic domestic incidents. It is our view that the tone adopted for commemoration is perhaps just as important as the dates themselves. And the panel firmly believes that all commemorations, not least those marking the centenary of the outbreak of World War I, must be very sensitively handled and be relevant to all parts of Scotland and to the Scottish diaspora. The Commonwealth commemorations will begin with a service in Glasgow Cathedral on Monday the 4th of August 2014, the morning after the closing ceremony of the Glasgow 2014 Commonwealth Games. There will likely be vigils in various churches and cathedrals throughout Scotland that evening at 11pm, mirroring the vigil in Westminster Abbey and other places to mark the actual time to the hour when we declared war 100 years on. Scotland will also mark the outbreak of the war with a drumhead service on the Esplanade of Edinburgh Castle the following Sunday, Sunday the 10th of August 2014. This will be a multi-faith service which will gather a cast of the Edinburgh military tattoo, servicemen and women and veterans, and of course the public we trust in great numbers. More details about the commemorative drumhead service and indeed all the other events planned will follow in due course. In terms of recognizing Scotland's significant military contributions throughout the First World War, I would like to go through briefly some key dates in chronological order. In April 2015, we will remember those who stood alongside our Anzac comrades at Gallipoli. In September 2015, we'll turn our attention to what historians refer to as Scotland's battle, the Battle of Luz, where 30,000 Scots served and made up half of all the casualties. 
All Scottish regiments fought in this battle, of which the writer Ian Hay said that for everyone in Scotland, this was not merely a national loss, but a personal loss, because everyone would have known someone. No part of Scotland was left unaffected by this offensive, and of particular note and appropriateness here close by regimental headquarters in Perth, Balhousie Castle, the losses suffered by the Black Watch were considerable, with the 9th Battalion losing 680 officers and men from their complement of 950 within the first few hours of fighting. In May 2016, we will commemorate the Battle of Jutland from Scapa Flow, from Hoy, from Linus in Orkney. Newspaper articles at the time reported it as the greatest naval battle in the North Sea, and although Britain lost more ships and men, Germany never again seriously challenged British control of the North Sea during the war. In April 2017, we will focus on the Battle of Arras, which saw the largest concentration of Scots to have fought together during the First World War. 44 Scottish battalions, seven Scottish-named Canadian battalions, attacked on the first day, and one-third of the British Expeditionary Force casualties were Scottish. As you will all be well aware, the First World War was not just about military campaigns, and the panel has suggested commemorating two domestic incidents to reflect the broad impact of the war on Scotland. The First Minister has already reminded us of the tragedy at Quinton's Hill near Gretna, May 2015. 227 men, mainly territorial soldiers of the 1st 7th Leaf Battalion, the Royal Scots, heading for Gallipoli, were killed, and which, as the First Minister also mentioned, still remains the worst rail disaster in British history. The precise number of dead was never established with confidence, as the roll list of the regiment was destroyed by the ensuing fire. The panel also recommends marking the centenary of the loss of HMS Isle on New Year's Day 1919. When HMS Isle sank a few yards offshore and a mile, but a mile, away from the safety of Stornoway Harbour, the Isle hit the infamous rocks, the Beasts of Holland, and eventually sank. The final death toll was put at 205, of whom 181 were islanders, 174 men from Lewis and seven from Harris, all lost within sight of the shores to which they had so long longed to return and which were crowded with those who had missed them most because they loved them most. Only 75 of the 280 passengers that day, that voyage, survived the disaster so close to home. The Isle of Lewis had already lost around 1,000 men during World War I, and this tragedy was, remains one of the worst maritime disasters of the 20th century. The centenary of the armistice will, of course, be marked on the 11th of November 2018, and this will further reflect on the sacrifice of those who fought, of those who lost loved ones, of those who returned, of those who continued to do so much at home, not least our women and families, and for all of whom lives and attitudes, and therefore our lives and perhaps our attitudes, were changed forever by the war which was meant to end all wars. 
As I mentioned earlier, the key dates are but one part of Scotland's commemorations, and there is, of course, a great deal of activity, of heartfelt, personal, poignant events and happenings and stories already planned across Scotland for the centenary commemorations, within which I share the First Minister's delight that the Royal British Legion of Scotland will enable more and more local stories and community histories to be heard through the planned RBLS Schools War Memorial Competition. Indeed, I bring good wishes, sincere good wishes, from all members of the Scottish Commemorations Panel, not least those representing the veterans and services communities, in saying how much we look forward to working together with the Royal British Legion Scotland, with Veterans Scotland, and indeed the full range of veterans associations as the centenary commemorative programme further develops. Your views and your thoughts have been and will be greatly welcomed as together we enable a nationwide recognition and programme fit for heroes and of which those whom we commemorate as indeed their and our families can and will be justifiably grateful and proud in the years to come. Thank you for listening.